Let's go ahead and get in the mindset of hearing the Lord speak to us. And we just want to go ahead and go to prayer right now. Father, we thank you for this time that you have set aside for us to hear your word and hear you speak to us. Lord, we want to just quiet our minds and just hear you right now. Block out anything that may distract us or keep us from focusing on you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives and how you are continuing to show us many testimonies of your greatness, of your goodness, too. We thank you, Lord, for your very presence. Bless us and keep us, O Lord. We give you thanks and we give you nothing but praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As I fill in for our beloved pastor this week, I recall the words that I have used during my spring break seminars that will have application for this particular message. I am not the pastor. Now, why do I say that? I'm not the pastor. It's a disclaimer in that there are some sermon subjects where some, not including our pastor, of course, may shy away from certain messages because it can turn off or offend a church audience. I'm using these words right now to give you a heads up in addressing a very delicate topic that does not often get discussed during a Sunday morning message. It is about the subject of giving. The subject of giving. Now, for greater understanding, I'm going to define giving. The definition of giving involves you giving something without the expectation that someone is going to give you something in return. Amen? Amen? That's what we're referring to when we say giving. You can give something, but you don't have an expectation of receiving something back in return. Your expectation of receiving something is not to be a factor in how you give. No quid pro quo. Our human nature is always going to try to convince us that we give with conditions and expectations because that's our flesh. We'll give something because we have an expectation. Our flesh will always make us respond in that manner. Now, as I wrote this message, my imagination was going crazy. Us creatives can be very dangerous sometimes when it comes to putting stuff together. And what I was thinking about, images of Richard Pryor in his big afro, dressed up as a rich televangelist with his entourage of people around him as he was asking for generous giving. Or even the Reverend Flip Wilson chastising members of the church of what's happening now because they weren't giving enough. Or, on a more serious note, as a real-life example, the dreaded passing around of the collection plate through the congregation more than once. And let's not forget the public reading in church of names and dollar amounts based upon what was contributed. Yes, I've seen that. Yes, it's been done in churches. Amen? Amen. 
Some of you have been experiencing those very things. Of course you should know from all of this that many people view the church very poorly because of real stories or parodies of churches and their leaders getting rich off of the very people that support it. It is descriptive of a very unhealthy church and a very unhealthy church relationship. And it's a real hindrance to those who are skeptical of getting involved with churches in the first place. You should know people like this. Satan takes great pleasure when this occurs. Satan loves division. Satan loves people speculating about the very things they should be getting involved in. Now, when it comes to giving, many people assume that it automatically goes down to what your tithes and offerings are. And I think pastors have tried to encourage the importance of giving in church, and they refer to examples in Scripture, including Abram giving a tenth of his proceeds to Melchizedek that you hear about in Genesis 14.20, or other examples in the Old Testament, or even the forming of the first church, In Acts chapter 2, verse 45. Unfortunately, I don't think many people today really want to hear about how much they need to give to the church. It's just my opinion. But you can almost tell by how people just shy away from it. Now, the refusal to give as if it is a requirement of some sort, because it's not required, it's met with a lot of excuses and mistrust of the church and the person who makes these excuses has to examine the motivation behind those excuses. Is it mistrust or is it merely a projection to divert the focus elsewhere? Remember, if you don't want the focus on what you're doing, what do you do? You point to somebody else. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's human nature. That's what we do. Rather than it being my problem, it's somebody else's problem. If you're thinking in this manner, I'm going to ask you to proceed with caution. We fall into a trap when we make excuses. We make accusations because it occurs well outside of the area of humility. Please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Matthew chapter 7. Let's take a look at Matthew 7. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Now, this is a verse that Sometimes we read this verse and we don't always apply it to our own way of thinking. This is what we need to do here. Matthew 7 verses 3 through 5 says, Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Verse 4, Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take that splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood In your own eye. Hypocrite. 
First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Now, keep that in mind as we go forward. Of course, the subject of giving can go in a number of different directions, but for today's review, we're going to make sure that it goes to a place in the manner as God empowered Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, to speak to the people of Israel, where if you were to eat the scroll of God's word, it will taste as sweet as honey. So we're going for the sweet as honey approach today and looking at the word. His word is truth. Amen? His word gives us a guidance on how we are to live. Now, I already know that not everyone's going to buy in or accept this message. And there are going to be reasons about that, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But as I proceed here, I'm going to ask that you have an open mind on this. In the words of the music group En Vogue, free your mind and the rest will follow. Amen? Free your mind up. Be open-minded about this. And remember that while I'm not the pastor, the words I'm going to share are supported by God's word. Because that's what all really matters. So fasten your seatbelts, everybody. Got your lawn chairs, got seatbelts on them? Well, maybe you don't. But <laughs> it's time to explore some truths right now about giving. First, we need to consider that giving is not always about money. Giving is not always about money. As we look at this in greater detail, ask yourself this question. What causes a person to hold back and really go all in for Jesus Christ? What causes a person to hold back and really go all in for Jesus Christ? Do we understand the importance of having a sincere and healthy relationship with Jesus Christ? A sincere one, not a play relationship, not a kiddie relationship. We are supposed to mature as we get older, amen? We mature in our relationship as we get older. Until a person makes the connection at giving of any sort in the church, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's your talents and abilities, it has more to do with the willingness to serve Jesus Christ because of who he is within your relationship. You're giving because you believe in Jesus. You're contributing because you believe in Jesus. Many people are looking to Jesus Christ as someone who can do something for them. For example, Lord bless me and I can give you more in return. Whatever. Or something like that. There are going to be people who will give because they love the Lord and they are holding nothing back. And there are going to be people who go through the motions in order to earn what they believe will be God's brownie points. Do you do stuff to earn brownie points from God? Because that's not what this is about. God doesn't give out brownie points. 
But he does give out grace. He does have mercy. He does wait for you to get caught up to him, honestly. God is going to use the giving efforts, regardless of your motivations for his glory. It's still going to come down to the heart. The heart of a person who really sees Jesus and wants to live for him. That's what this message is about today. Do you see Jesus for who he is? And do you want to live for him in such a way where you're honoring him and glorifying him? We're not playing around here. Nothing to play with. If you don't do this, you're going to continue to foster an unhealthy relationship with him. Now, unhealthy relationships are often rooted in disobedience and wickedness. Let's just tell it like it is. If you want to be wicked and disobedient, you have the choice to do so. That's your choice. Let's take a look at Psalm 37. Go to Psalm 37. We're going to look at verses 16 through 19. And we're also going to look at verses 21 and 22. Understand that disobedience and wickedness have dire consequences. Dire consequences. You can choose to do whatever you want. But just know what comes after that. Psalm 37, verse 16, starting there. The little that the righteous person has, look at this. The little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of many wicked people. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. Now, I'm just going to dissect that verse real quick. Some of you may be complaining you don't have a whole lot of money. Okay, guess what? It's better for you to not have any money and be righteous. Because what you're going to learn, even though you don't have a lot, God is going to honor you because you are righteous. You are focusing on him. It's not about money. It's not about the money. Let's continue. Verse 18. The Lord watches over the blameless all their days, and their inheritance will last forever. Verse 19, they will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will be satisfied in days of hunger. If you're hungry, if you need food, guess what God will do for you? He provides it for you. He provides it. It transcends beyond money. Drop down to verse 21. The wicked person borrows and does not repay. But the righteous one is gracious in giving. I used to, I still work in collections. And I, I think about how people will default. They won't pay. And the desk, it winds up on my desk and I have to call them. And, and basically it's my job to convince them to pay something they haven't paid for a long time. That's a fun job sometimes. But you have to understand something. If you have a contract, you have to pay. You have to honor your contract. You can't say, oh, well, I can't. Well, you're going to have to. Verse 22, those who are blessed by the Lord will inherit the land, but those cursed by him 
will be destroyed. That's a consequence. So now let's take a look, fresh look at this with the encouraging words of Scripture that give us the valuable truth that it is truly better to give than it is to receive. Amen? It's better to give than it is to receive. Amen? And once again, it's not just about giving money. Paul makes the best statement that I could find to describe the proper attitude for every believer in Jesus Christ. Please go to Acts chapter 20. Let's take a look at Acts 20, and we're going to look at verses 32 through 35. Acts chapter 20, verses 32 through 35. This is Paul. He's speaking to the people around him. Uh, English Standard Version, verse 32. And now I commit to you and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I have worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Now let's look at Paul's words here in the proper context of what it means to give. Don't just isolate verse 35 here as the compelling reason to give because you need to explain a little bit more about what that means. Paul is making it clear that it is more about giving of yourself. Giving of yourself as you work with others. And if you have the means to do so, help people along the way who are less fortunate. Give of yourself. Give people who need it shoes and clothing. Amen? Shoes and clothing. What is going to Goodwill all about? People donating what? Goods and services. But someone else can use them. Give them a helping hand. If someone asks you for help, Are you willing to help them? Give people words of encouragement. Who right now does not need encouragement? Amen? Amen? We all need encouragement. There's no reason to be stingy about giving someone encouragement. Give them your time. Without distractions. Amen? Amen. <laughs> One thing we've talked about too, when I said giving somebody your time, giving somebody your time means doing, not doing this while you're doing it. Looking at your cell phone. Focusing on what's going on. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Oh uh, yeah, right, right, right. Don't get distracted. Put your phone down. Give someone your time. Sit with them. 
Speak to them. We have to use that today because the reality is some of us have our phones taped to our wrists. Amen? Amen. Nobody here I'm talking about like that. Bottom line, just give of yourself. Just give of yourself. Giving of yourself is the natural response as you develop a healthy, growing relationship in Jesus Christ through your sanctification process in the Holy Spirit. We are being trained daily. He is teaching us daily. It's an act of love. Giving is an act of love. As described by Paul as one of the fruits of the Spirit. We know that in Galatians 5.22, but that's the first fruit that we see. It's love. The Holy Spirit gives you sensitivity to those around you who are in need. Have you asked the Spirit for sensitivity? He gives you what you ask for. He will give that to you. Be sensitive to those around you who are in need. Now rest assured, there are people in need who aren't looking for a handout, but merely a helping hand or an act of kindness. Go to Hebrews 13, 16. Hebrews 13, 16. Everybody that you come in contact with is not going to be like asking for, you know, a handout. But they may need help anyway. Be sensitive to that. Hebrews 13, 16. It says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It's a sacrifice of time, a sacrifice of effort. It may be a sacrifice uh, financially, whatever it is. But guess what? You're doing the work of the Lord. You're pleasing God. Is pleasing to him. Don't you want to be that pleasant aroma when you do something that God would love? That's what you want to be. That's where you should be. Giving is not about law or grace, about net or growth, about duty or devotion. The ultimate reason for giving is that giving reflects the character and nature of God. It's his character. It's his nature. He is a giving God. Why do we say this? God so loved the world that he gave his son. Amen? He gave his son. And the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. We serve a giving, loving God. When we give, we are fulfilling his nature. You go to John 3.16. I read part of that. And Matthew 20.28. He's a giving God. That's evidence. God is a giver. It is God's character and nature to give. When we give as God gives, our lives reflect God's character. Don't you want to reflect... In a crazy world today, where there's so much confusion, living in such a way where you're living according to God's own character. That's a testimony that glorifies God himself. 
When we give as God gives, our lives reflect his character. For everything that God has given to us, including salvation and grace, amen, because of his love for us, we are to look unselfishly at how we can serve him as we consider how we are to give our gifts to others. Consider how to give. Think about what you can do to give. Take a look, please, at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Second Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Now, one thing that's very important to remind people here, you are not being forced to do anything here. Giving is always voluntary. Always. It's your decision. You have to decide that's how you want to live. You have to decide that's what you want to do. But when you do it, God will respond to that. If you're doing so in such a way where you're honoring Him. Verse 6, New Living Translation. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, I know you've heard this before. Because usually we just hear God loves a cheerful giver. But look at the context of this. You can give whatever you want. But just know what the expectation is as you do that. You can give a little. Now, that's maybe a nod to the people who have little to give. But give a little. But you'll be given something in return. You'll be blessed. But if you give generously then that God will glorify that too. But it's not about honoring yourself. Who are you honoring? The Lord Jesus Christ. Some people unfortunately give because they have an expectation of being honored personally. That's a great tool for Satan. Remember that. The moment you start taking credit for something like that, that's a great tool for Satan to use. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. It's a universal statement for anyone, whether you have a lot or a little. We can see how church giving is adversely affected by a person's lackadaisical approach about money and stewardship, let alone substantial indebtedness. You know, sometimes... Like I said, we point the finger somewhere else to keep it off of ourselves. And for those of us who have been carrying burdens all our lives when it comes to finances, that's when we do a lot of pointing. But we need to look right back at where we are. And this is where the Holy Spirit has to teach everybody. This is where the Spirit has to speak to us individually about where we are when it comes to our money and our concerns. God leaves it up to the person as to how much they give. No pressure coming from him about it. But we're the ones that make it tougher than it needs to be. 
We're the ones who make it tougher than it needs to be. If following Jesus Christ is truly a light and easy burden, as he says it is, in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, then we, we need to be faithful to him. We need to believe him and trust that his words are true. Following Jesus Christ is a light and easy burden. Amen. Why make it tougher than it really is? He means what he says. Amen? When Jesus says it's a light and easy burden, he means that. <clears throat> now let's pivot back to the issue of giving money for just a moment. Because I'm not avoiding the issue. Because it is important. There are valid points to be made here and practical ways to address this. First of all, we need to understand something about a lack of stewardship. We're going to use that word stewardship. Because that has to do with how you control your money. It is idolatry sometimes that affects how we look at stewardship. We idolize it. I heard a message today. I'm not even sure where it came from. Too much money. Worrying about money. Being overly concerned with getting more money. You're idolizing it. It's an idol. When you do it that way. If being a good steward is in any way a wrestling match from within, we need to understand, we don't have understanding right now about what it is to be a good steward. If we search deep within our hearts... And ask the Lord to give us, Lord, take anything out of my heart that is a wrong motivation. That is an incorrect motivation for how I'm looking at this whole picture. One thing we have to understand is that idolatry is when we often say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'll do what I want to do. A lack of stewardship also conveys tendencies of laziness. Nobody wants to hear that word lazy. Amen? Nobody wants to hear anything about being lazy. Sorry about that. Go to Proverbs 13.4. Proverbs 13.4. If you really read the Psalms and the Proverbs sometimes, they really cut to the heart of the matter. And they tell it like it is. And sometimes we just don't want to pay attention to those things that are staring us right in the face. Are you being a good steward with your money? Are you managing your money properly? Verse 4, Proverbs 13, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Now, do you understand what that really means? Diligent people, people who are... Let's say you're trying to fix an old problem. Let's say you've had bad credit. Well, what do you do about it? You try to fix it. Amen? You don't just go through life and say, I'm not going to do anything about it. You've got to change something. And sometimes when we don't make a choice to do those things, that's laziness. Or you quit. You stop doing it. There's no reason to do that. Be honest with yourself. A good steward plans out what he or she can do with the understanding that God is going to use it 
as he sees fit. God's going to take care of it. God's going to take care of you. If you're seeking after him, he's going to take care of you. And you should be willing to do so because you want to glorify him. Some people have a heart problem with this issue and just blame it on the church. Well, they're just taking my money. They're just doing this with it. God doesn't need the money. You're right. God doesn't need the money. What's that got to do with you? Where is your heart? Where is your attitude? Where is your focus? Is it all on self? Or is it on honoring Jesus Christ? If you're telling anybody, the church is just taking my money, the church is just, they don't need the money, I don't know how they're using the money, that's just, that's the most self-centered, the most self-serving statement you can make. And it's unchristlike. You're not honoring God by making those statements. You're missing the whole point. I told you guys couldn't do this message. <laughs> He could do the message. I'm the heavy today. So rather than taking the unnecessary responsibility of being accountable for someone else's actions, instead of worrying about what the church is going to do with this, what so-and-so is going to do, I'm not going to give this money to so-and-so, I'm not going to do that. Instead of you worrying about that, let's start with personal accountability. Let's start with what you're doing with your money. And let Jesus take care of the rest of it. When you give the money to somebody, you should be like, oh, I don't know. Give it. Let Jesus take care of the rest. You don't think God is big enough to take care of that? I learned, whenever you give a message like this, you always want to go back to yourself. Because I learned over time that if I want to be a better representative for Jesus Christ, I need to take care of my own business. My own finances. Amen? Well, you ain't got to be that happy to amen about it, but okay, amen. You take care of your own business. If we make it a point to watch what we eat and make better nutrition choices for our health, which we should be doing, amen? 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 amen. <laughs> We should make it a point to make better choices of how we handle our money. The choices in front of me were quite simple. Pay down debt, number one. Pay down debt. Pay it down. Consolidate what is owed with offers to pay zero interest for 12 to 18 months. You see this stuff all the time. It's common sense. Why wouldn't you do that if you had an opportunity to do that? This is making the assumption that you're paying all your bills. Amen? Amen. But if you can pay at zero interest, as opposed to 20% interest, why wouldn't you do that? Do what you have to do to do what? Raise your credit score. Why is raising your credit score important? It has a positive impact on you and lowering overall the interest rates that you can get. You know, if your credit score is like 300, well, you can, you're not going to get anything anyway, whatever it is, right? <laughs> whatever the lowest number is. But ultimately, you lower your, you raise your credit score, you lower your interest rates. 
Now, we know there's all kinds of stuff out there about paying down your debt to zero. I got that. I understand that. But I'm also being practical here. But not everybody can do that. Tighten your belt with your spending. Watch how God affirms your ability to do more and more over time. Because you can't do it overnight. It takes time. But as time goes on, God's going to affirm you. Step in the right direction. Step in the right direction. Here's a blessing. Here's a blessing. Here's a change. Here's something positive. Here's something to look forward to. You go in the right direction. Just keep moving. Keep going for it. It's going to take some time. But he's going to affirm you every step of the way as you go. Because ultimately what you're doing is being a better steward and you're honoring him. And that way you can give more. You can do more. Some people don't realize how important that really is. It it has an impact on everything you do. Even being generous with other people. Because you're so concerned about getting this done, getting that done... When you're all tied up in knots with debt, you can't do anything. It affects your mind, too. It affects the way you think. You're less likely to think about Jesus and more likely to think about the bills you got to pay. What you're going to find if you just honor the Lord in this area... Pray about it. Speak to him about it. Give it to him. He's going to honor your efforts to better manage your finances. That's a promise. That's a promise. Your spirit of giving needs to come without any selfishness or excuses. It needs to be fortified with humility and buoyed by the presence of Jesus Christ through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You can do it. Here's a fact that's going to prove itself in many ways over time. As you honor God, He will indeed honor you. As you honor God in anything and everything, He will honor you. It starts with your love and desire to please God as you fulfill your calling before Him. Do you realize you have a calling before Him? Do you realize that you have a purpose before Him? Do you realize you're just not here to take up space? You're here to honor Jesus Christ. Everyone within the sound of my voice, you're here for a reason and a purpose. He wants you to do more and get better over time. Why? Because that honors Him. That glorifies Him. You have a testimony. That's a testimony. Be gracious and hospitable to others, whether they're believers or not. God's going to give you the strength and encouragement that you need as you go. Let's take a look at a passage that are helpful words of wisdom. And we can pray and meditate over these words, too. Please go to Luke 6. We're going to read a passage. Luke chapter 6. We're going to be at verse 27 through 36. And then we're going to read verse 38. So it's a little bit of a long passage. But but look at what it's going to say here about the attitude that Jesus talks about when it comes to giving. 
And that's what's going to be interesting. Luke 6, verses 27 through 36, and then verse 38. Now, I don't know if people skip over this when they read sometimes. But some people may feel compelled to do so. But wait a minute. Jesus is telling you about giving. And giving with a good attitude and giving with generosity. So look what it says here. Start at verse 27. But I say to you who listen. Now, notice how he says, but I say to you who listen. Because not everybody wants to hear this. So even Jesus is putting that disclaimer right there in the passage. For those who care to listen. For those who really want to honor me. Here's what you have to do. Love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Verse 29. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. That might be the throwdown verse right there. Oh no, that's it. If somebody hits me, I'm going to hit him right back. But that's not what we are to do. Let's look further. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Verse 30. Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Now check this out. We've all got friends. We've got people we know and love. But if you love people who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Verse 33. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Pardon me. Even sinners do that. Verse 34. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. You see where we're going with this. Verse 35. But love your enemies. Do what is good. And lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. You see that? Gracious to the ungrateful and the evil. That's what we're supposed to be. Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. And then verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What's the first word of verse 38? Give. Give, and it will be given to you. But it starts with what? You're giving. It starts with that effort that motion true giving is built upon the confidence of one's relationship with Jesus Christ this has everything to do with how you fully believe in Jesus Christ what he really means to you 
there is an understanding that in spite of one's imperfection, Christ is our perfection. Christ is our perfection. With the knowledge of his ongoing presence, a person can live without concerns over temporal things such as money or possessions. Money and possessions are eventually going to do what? Disappear. A good steward recognizes that everything comes from Jesus Christ in the first place. What you have, what you own right now, what you possess, it all comes from Jesus anyway. And guess what? It's on loan. You're borrowing it. Amen? All the more reason to have the attitude to give for those who really need to see the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ, the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is a giver. He's been a giver. He's been giving for us the entire time. He died on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life. He's a giver. Live in such a way to honor him. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your loving kindness. And Lord, we thank you for those who want to hear your truth about giving and what it really represents. I thank you, Lord, for these hard truths sometimes. But Lord, because we deal with these truths as they come, Lord, we just want to glorify you in our actions. We don't want to take you for granted. We want to do those things that honor and glorify you. We thank you for those lessons. We thank you for your very presence today. Lord, help us as we move forward, as we look to you. Help us when it comes to this thing about giving. Help us when it comes to dealing with even our own finances. Making sure that we're doing everything we can to honor you as we move forward. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for taking care of us. Lord, your word has promised, surely that as you take care of the birds and all the animals who need food, that you take care of us, our special creation. We just thank you, Lord. We give you praise and thanks for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.